Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast from Reminder Media, where we talk about the actionable ideas to help you grow your business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. My name is Joshua Stike, Vice President of Marketing here at Reminder Media, and with me, as always, is Luke Acri. What is up? President of Reminder Media. Just had to chime in there. You know? <laughs> I always give the pause. You got you to bring the energy. The we got to get loud yeah. a little bit. And today we're going to be talking about growth hacking. So, what in the world is growth growth hacking? <laughs> growth hacking. Excuse that me. would have been that a bad be a different one. Different podcast. Yeah, a different podcast. Growth hacking. That's growth what we're hacking. talking about today. <laughs> so, some may simply write it off as yet another internet buzzword, but if you're willing to look a little bit deeper, you'll find that it is a mindset more than anything. Entrepreneur and angel investor Sean Ellis coined the term growth hacking back in 2010 and defines a growth hacker as a person whose true north is growth. Everything they do is scrutinized by its potential impact on scalable growth. Man, this is um, a topic I think that's super important to people who are just starting out. Uh, Maybe call it a startup or if you're an entrepreneur, even like uh, you think of yourself as like a real estate agent, insurance agent, financial advisor. When I kept thinking about this topic earlier of growth hacking Mm -hmm. and, and really what are the applications or what you should think of. I think one of the biggest struggles new entrepreneurs face, smaller businesses face, is you think you have to act like corporate America. So you think you have to act like the Apples of the world, the Microsofts of the world, where you put together business plans, where you have budgets for everything. We had an entire episode on how to put together these budgets. We did, we did. (laughs) But the point being is this growth hacking thing is the key comes down to execution. Yeah. In, in testing. And it's really the idea that your true north, as Sean Ellis is just describing, is it's all about growth and what leads to growth. And it's not necessarily about following strictly to a business plan or a five-year plan that you laid out. Mm-hmm. It's more about testing and doing almost like a micro actions yeah. and, and keep referring back and looking and going, okay, did this work? This caused growth. Oh, it didn't? Okay, let's change directions and go here. And it's insane, insanely critical in the first beginning years of a company because you really don't know and nothing you can do. We're, what, 14 years into this? Yeah. yeah. I get terrified of trying to put together a five-year business plan. And we're 14 <laughs> years into this because... Uh, like when you start thinking that way and you should think long-term, I'm not saying you shouldn't think long-term, but when you start thinking that way, you start, what happens is you start being so process oriented and so just, Oh, it's about the plan that you forget. No, no, no. It's about the results. It's about the results. Yeah. Yeah. Is what results are happening. Why growth hacking was born from this, uh, this startup culture, right? Which is also very applicable to uh, service-based sales professionals because it's a very lean approach to marketing, right? Instead of spending lots of money on traditional marketing efforts, you're just testing these small things that may require little to no budget in real time. So you're not spending time putting together these five-year plans. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're focused 100% of your efforts on what is helping me grow today. Mm-hmm. And as a service-based sales professional, real estate agent, financial advisor, insurance agent, you have to be in that mentality constantly of what am I leveraging? What, what resources do I have available to me now that can help me get to that next level? And making sure that every single day I'm not staying stale or I'm not shrinking. I'm growing constantly. Just don't mistake it for chasing every new shiny object yeah, under the sun. Yeah. So, so the number one mistake you tend to see with realtors, or I think that you tend to see in, in, I shouldn't even just label real estate. It could be insurance finance as well, but you get sold when you first start in the business, you get sold on every shiny object that can generate leads for you. It's there's a difference between buying 
different technologies, mm-hmm. lead uh, plans, all these things versus testing something yeah. and changing an email text or changing a button on your website or changing a, a phone call script or, you know, <clears throat> whatever it is, you know, in our, we have a great ebook, by the way, I make a plug for our ebook, which is the relationship. I'm going to read you the title, the relationships relationship marketers guide to growth hacking, but it talks about how hotmail yeah. grew and literally they they competed against Juno which was spending what 20 to 30 million 20 in million in advertising yeah and, and they're spending that much trying to grow Juno and Hotmail comes along only has $300,000 in funding yep. but yet they crushed Juno they added like 100,000 accounts in like 3 weeks or something like that all by putting a little line in their email saying like get your free email from hotmail or right. something like that yeah. so meaning the idea of just literally like you're just testing things like that to see what causes change constantly tech or testing like every realtor puts in their email it seems that my, your greatest gift to me is a referral <laughs> so it would be like testing what that tagline is in the email but anyways just well yeah and i mean it's just a plug kind of, for our ebook but it's a well, great ebook it's a great ebook and a lot of this content is going to be coming from there but that's really looking at leveraging your existing relationships and how are you leveraging your existing clients in a good way to help you to help you grow? And I would even say with with adding that idea of <clears throat> always asking for the referral is great. Take it one step further. Tell them what they'll get. Right. So the great mm-hmm. thing about that line and the simplicity of it is get your free email at Hotmail. It wasn't we love email users, so sign up for us. Yeah, it wasn't right? about them. It's really kind of delivering your value proposition. So if you've gone through our podcast on how to put that together, you have an opportunity to include that in your email signatures. It's great. And point. then give them the give them the actual tool to then take the next action. So if you're asking for the referral or you have some sort of incentive for them to act on, give them the link right there that takes them to the page for which they can sign up for that hotmail account. Don't just tell them that you want referrals because that's not really you, we have to be told what to do. We I would so be many interested. Things a day. I would be, be interested told. if people are listening to this, real estate agents, insurance agents. When you guys put those lines in your emails, I'm interested to hear if you guys actually have success. So if you're watching the Facebook Live, comment yes. below if you've ever received a referral because you put that tagline in your email, if you guys are even tracking that, or comment on staypaidpodcast.com or on iTunes if you're listening to it on iTunes. I'm just curious to see if that's actually driven success because I see what you're saying with when you put that line in the email, it doesn't make it simplistic for me, doesn't show it what's in it for me. So it basically is you're causing me pain putting that line in the email, that not making it easy. But that's a whole nother podcast just trying to make it easy. <laughs> Definitely make it make easy. But look, I mean, easy. Dale Carnegie, he has a stat that says only 11% of salespeople ask for the referrals, even though 91% of customers say they'd give them. So if you're doing it, keep doing it. You're, you're doing something. But just think about, so the growth hacking mentality is, great, I'm doing that. Now what can I do to make it one step? better? What's the next thing that I can do to this as a small change and then measure the results of that change? So it would be interesting to hear kind of when people ask for the referral. For my my opinion to you guys that are listening to this that are in the service-based sales profession, so that would be like real estate, insurance, financial advising, ask for the referral right after the close. 
And the reason why I share that is because, you know, I'm a huge believer, and you've heard me talk about it before, about this idea of the reciprocity effect, that when you do something nice for someone, they, it triggers that reciprocity effect where they want to return the favor and they want to do something for you. So I would test if I were you guys, when you close the deal at the closing table, now you can't do this for your rough closing. So I know some real estate agents out there have deals that are really shaky, that take all you got to get it to the closing table and they might fall through in their rough. So maybe not there because depending on the situation, but for most of your deals where it's a happy moment, where you're snapping the picture, like my brother will always snap a picture at the closing table and post it on Instagram and social media of his clients and tag them in it. It's a great way to get referrals, by the way. It's a great way to hack or use social media to leverage growth by snapping a picture of you and your client at the closing table, tagging them specifically on their Facebook, because now all their clients or all their friends, sorry, all their friends will now see that picture and comment and say congratulations. And then that gives you a perfect opportunity (laughs) to just comment on there as well and start a conversation. Yeah, if you're ever looking for a house, I can help you too. (laughs) But ask for referrals at the closing table, because in the natural state, I remember where I, when I closed on my home and my, my agent didn't ask me for referrals at the closing table. So Quakester, if you're listening to this, man, you missed out on an opportunity, even though I've given you <laughs> referrals. But the point being is that I remember how happy and excited my wife and I were in leveraging that. You found something. I told Josh earlier before the podcast, I used to be in uh, computer science. So I used to be a software engineer. So hacking in computer science is you're really trying to find weaknesses in a system or exploits in a system, things that you can exploit that maybe it wasn't meant to act this way, but you can leverage a, a weakness. And I hate to say weakness because it's not all about a weakness, but you can just leverage something about it yeah. to gain access to something. What you're doing here, what you're if you're thinking of hacking that way, you're literally hacking my emotion by leveraging the fact that Luke is extremely happy right now because he closed on his home. So I have a way better chance of getting a result from Mm -hmm. the action I take of asking for a referral than I do if I wait a month from now when maybe he's dealing with, because this happened to me, Mm -hmm. where the bathtub in my bathroom started leaking and I had to deal with that problem. So you're a lot (laughs) less likely to get a referral from me then than you were at the chance of the closing table because I felt happy. So just hacking on that. Yeah, I mean, if we look at another example like Twitter, um, and you, you're talking about kind of in that moment that you're experiencing the product. So your your client's experience with the product is the closing table. It's mm-hmm. the time whenever that transaction comes to a close, they're happy. What, they, uh, what Twitter looked at when looking through their analytics is that the growth team discovered that people who followed at least 10 other people on Twitter were dr- dramatically more likely to be active users than those who followed less than 10. So they started introducing the who to follow. So you're in the product, you're enjoying the product, and now they're serving you up more more ways to use the product and to engage with it. And so what they started finding naturally is because people that had more, uh, followed more uh, than 10 people were using the product more, getting more people to follow people ultimately drove their daily users up and their engagement rate up. And they did two things there. So number one, they're capturing the moment that you're ex- you're enjoying the experience with the product. And then number two, they know the they know the metric that's going to provide them the greatest value in their growth. So for you, that might be at the closing table, and then that referral. Obviously, everybody knows that referrals are going to be your sol- your most solid source. For you leads. better know that. If you don't know that, man, you're missing out. <laughs> so you better know that. And that really kind of brings it back to uh, the second point in our ebook, which is finding your aha moment. 
Mm. And so that was really the aha moment for Twitter was once they realized that that stat existed, the only question in their mind became, great, how do we get people to follow more people? And the way that you can kind of find these aha moments, we had one ourselves uh, when we would do uh, video testimonials. So we would go across the country, shoot these editorial uh, videos, and as a way to sort of subsidize the cost of those, we would get video testimonies from our clients. And we started talking to clients and finding out firsthand where we were in their homes, we were in their offices, mm -hmm. we were seeing them in their, in their environment, not just talking to them over the phone or over email. And the number one thing that we walked away with from that whole experience was how much people loved the way that they looked with the product, yeah, I remember and it changed this. our entire advertising campaign. We yep. went from a very feature-driven, customizable magazine, generate tons of referrals, to a much more, um, I hate to use the word vanity, but it is, it's a much more yeah. uh, how you look, kind of yep. branding, perception type mm -hmm. of piece. Highest quality, yep. changed Makes our you content, look the best. changed our ads to a classy and effective way to stay in touch Even with Even changed our pitch change the yep. pitch. And to us, that was a bit of an aha moment where we began hooking more people after we realized, okay, obviously people want to see the referrals. But if you're not producing ROI for a marketing tool, then it's you, pointless. you shouldn't be a marketing tool. It's pointless, So man. the next question becomes, what's, what is really drawing people? What's differentiating our marketing tool from yep. them? And this is something you can apply to your business. Use this small data. So Martin Lindstrom wrote a great book called Small Data. It's all about, you know, the, the trend today is all big data, collecting all of these analytics, assessing them, running them through yeah, algorithms data. to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. This is small data. These are the interactions you're having with your clients on a day-to-day -day basis where you can read their reactions. And the thing that they, uh, one of the stories that they told in the book was, uh, Martin Lindstrom was a consultant for Lego. And in 2001, Lego, their business was tanking. It was, See, it was, I'm not surprised Josh knows this because he loves Legos. Love Legos. If you walked in yeah. his office, not to be tangential, <laughs> but there's freaking Legos everywhere. I wish, I wish we had a couple behind us. Do I don't we know do. if we... we okay, we do. Okay, it's behind there. my head back there. You have to check out the video. But anyways, see. not to interrupt you. So this guy's consultant for Lego. Yeah, so... And this is this is a great story because what he's in, he's in this um, uh, the bedroom of an 11-year-old in Germany, right? Kind of just talking to uh, him about what he's proud of. And he asked him, he's, what's the thing that you're most proud of in your room? Because that's Lego's demographic, right? Sure. And he holds up this pair of skate shoes or his pair of shoes, and they were worn and beaten and tattered. They had like this one edge had like the sole rubbed off at like okay. an eleven degree angle. And he said, the, "The reason why I'm so why I'm so proud of these shoes is because it shows everyone that I'm the best skater around. Because when I go down <laughs> this half pipe or this whatever, it rubs the sole this way." So what they did at the time, Lego was actually trying to over, was trying to simplify their product. They were making bigger blocks and easier to build structures. And what he realized is the demographic that they're going after is super passionate about showing off the time that they put into their passions and hobbies, mm. that they changed their entire business model, started making smaller blocks, more complex builds, uh, things that would take uh, Dude, you know, crazy. tens of hours to complete these builds. And then the brand has taken off ever since then. They actually even started the talks of making the Lego movie at that point because they realized <laughs> if the, the users who were that um, invested in spending time with this hobby, they want to show off something that's impressive or something that's hard. So just using that little bit of information. Right. Change, change their whole business. Oh, it's the biggest brand in the world right now. I don't want to miss this applicable point to everybody who's listening to this is that the crux of both of these stories, whether it's Reminder Media's example or the Lego example, is understanding 
what your consumer, what your client actually wants and what they value. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. It takes, how many of you guys right now have actually gone back and surveyed your clients after you sold them insurance or after you invested their money and just got their opinion of why they use you, how they felt through the process and maybe what even you could do better, what they value throughout the process. It takes awareness, right? It takes the ability to be present when you're speaking to clients And obviously you're thinking about how to help them with the service Mm -hmm. that you provide, but you're reading their reaction. Yep. You're paying attention to the things that are outside. It's emotional intelligence. And it's it's the ability to read what the, what, how they're at, how they feel. And if you're a realtor, you're helping them with uh, a purchase of a home, you're a financial advisor, you're helping them with a huge financial investment. Their lifestyle is so tied in to what they're coming to you for that you have to watch the lifestyle. You have to pay attention to those clues. If you asked yourself, of the you know transactions you've done this year, what is it that your clients appreciate it the most about what you brought to the table? Do you know the answer to that question? That's the good action item for the end of this podcast. <laughs> so I'm just helping myself out here on this podcast. Pause and let yeah. that one sink in. Do you know? Do you know? Because I think of our own business and we're selling, obviously, American Lifestyle Magazine to people and ways for you to connect to your you know key relationships. And I ask myself, you know, are we positive that the people we sold this year, and we've sold thousands, if we went and talked to them, would they all give us that, oh, the number one thing I love about you guys is you're helping me connect with my key relationships and I don't have to worry about it? Because that's mm-hmm. what we're selling. It's just be, you know, it's just a convicting thought. So the next thing that, uh, next point we want to make is uh, Luke touched on it a little bit, but that's to test small and scale. Right. So most of your ideas are going to fail. Just correct. Uh, just deal with that. I saw a meme the other day on Facebook that had um, uh, what a what a unsuccessful person looked like and had all of these blocks of fail kind of on their shoulders. Right. And then what a successful person looked like. And it was them just laying down the blocks of failure, stepping like as steps. Oh, that's brilliant. It's just, it's yeah. just failing faster, yep. using it as a stepping stone to the next idea. But the most important thing is if you're just failing and you don't know why, then you're not going to be successful. That's the definition of insanity. No, no, that's trying the same thing over and over again and (laughs) expecting different results. It's the same thing, thing, guys, same thing. (laughs) But if you're you're testing and you're measuring and you're understanding while you're failing and you're trying the next thing, doing that as fast as possible, Mm. that's a growth hack mentality. No, I agree. I think in our own business, you know, it's the paralysis by analysis phase. It's what everybody suffers from. It's literally that failure is what gets you fastest to the system that will actually run and be able to scale in your business. Where so many people fail and where you're probably failing today in your business is that you're trying to literally fail at a system level instead of fail at like a small micro level, i.e., mm, yeah. you know, you're, you're trying your marketing through American Lifestyle Magazine. And I'm going to use us, for example, just because I want to. So many people <laughs> cancel our product after one or two mailings and they go, I didn't get anything from it. Mm. But what happens is when I ask them and I go, okay, well, what did your client say? Oh, well, they all loved it and they all thought it was great and they thought it, you know, they appreciated it, but, but no one gave me a referral. And so they switched the whole system instead of changing just a, a little test. I'm going, okay, yeah. well now ask them for next time you call them, ask them for a referral or next time you call them, ask them what they loved, what article they loved about it. Have a conversation about the article, like changing at that level instead of changing the whole system, because then you literally, instead of like trying to actually change and growth hack your business, you're literally just jumping ships. You're jumping from one thing to the next. And it, it drives me absolutely insane. You're restarting every time. Right, you're right. restarting every time. So when you, when you 
you're failing, remember, you should be failing at trying things. Yes, you can change systems, but you got to commit to things and fail at those things. I don't give up after one or a hundred cold calls of one script. I yeah. keep going over and over and over again, and I test little lines here and there. It's not until I've failed for, failed for a long time, and I always give people the example of 90 days, testing a marketing or a sales strategy for 90 days. It's not until I've failed for a really long time that I'll go, okay, maybe that audience I'm targeting is wrong, or maybe a bigger picture item is wrong. No, first I really push and try and test at a micro level to see if I can get success. I think you're doing, yeah. I mean, you have to... So you have to sort of block and tackle whenever you're testing, right? You have to segment out a group of people that you want to test something with, and then you have to give it time to yield those valid results, right. which is what you're saying, whether that's 90 days you got or four six quarters. months or what it is. Think, you got of, four think, of, think of your year in four quarters. There Whatever you, you do in this 90 days, and, and this is something I got to give credit to Danny Morales. This is not yeah. something I came up with, but you got four quarters, 90 days. If you stay consistent for 90 days, that next 90 days will be dictated by what you did in the first quarter. Yep. So the second quarter is dictated by the first, the third is dictated by the second. And if you think of it in that mentality, you got to stay consistent for a quarter and then see the results. And if it starts generating results, you know you're on the right track and you keep going, but you're playing a life of four quarters every year. And another another value there is that you have something to compare it to. Mm -hmm. If your time is always the same, your investment in whatever you're trying is always the same, then you have a period over period time mm -hmm. to compare that to. So then the next step or the next uh, suggestion that we would give is to automate when possible. The reality is you only have so much time in a day. So you want to come up with innovative ways to automate as many tasks as possible, whether that's scheduling um, triggered email programs or streamlining your processes, whatever you can do to meet your objective with limited manpower really should be your goal yep. in trying these growth ha hacking techniques goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning. If you're not doing that, you're just kind of chasing every shiny object. Choose something to focus on, make sure that it's purposeful, and then try and figure out how can I automate this so that I can free myself up to do other things in my business and in my life. Right, I would add, like my guiding focus has always been this. Every one of us struggles with what should we do today, especially business owners, entrepreneurs. No one's telling you what to do today. You have to decide. Revenue generating activities should be your guiding light. You should be focused on the revenue generating activities in your business and try to automate everything else. It, that's really what should be your central light as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And that comes down to maybe your revenue generating activity is phone calls. Maybe it's building relationships, taking people to coffee. But that is really what you should do. Or you do what no one else can do. What yeah. no one else can do. One of my biggest struggles is I love sales, but there's a lot of people who can do sales in our organization. As, as the leader of the organization, I have to do what only the leader can do of the organization. So that's another guiding light for you. So there you go, guys. Hopefully that gave you a little bit of insight and inspiration into what gro growth hacking. That's a, I can't get that word for some reason. That <laughs> I'm not going to make the same comment hacking again. <laughs> is all about, it's all about working smarter to grow your business. Hopefully you can use the principles we outlined here to guide your strategies and come up with your own as well. Please share us, uh, those with us. Um, comment on the video on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Yep. Comment on Facebook if you're, if you're following us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. With a little bit of hard work and dedica dedication, you'll be growth hacking your way to more referrals in no time. For this episode, I'm Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Acre, and I'm going to give you this action item, okay? First action item is I'm going to 
ask you guys to please comment, give us a five-star review, rate the podcast. That's all we ask. We're giving the information to you guys for free. Um, We're giving it to you for free. We want to share it with other people. The only way we can share it with other people is if you uh, comment, you rate it, you review it, because more audiences will actually see it. That's just how this world works. Second action item is actually to grow your business. And what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself the question, the deals you've done this year, What is the one thing that you would write down that you believe would be the thing your clients would say to you of the thing they appreciate most about doing business with you? And when you write down that answer, then I challenge you to pick up the phone, call 15 of your transactions, 10, I don't know the number, but call some of those people and ask them the question and see if what you wrote down matches with the answers you got. Because I think that would be really, really critical to helping you know the next steps in growing your business. Difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action, so take action on that today. 